Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Old Readers Anonymous, a vision for you big book study, the 7 a.m. meeting. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, September 8th, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Working for Others. We are on page 94, and somebody is unmuted. Please mute, everyone. We are on page 94. We will be reading the second paragraph on page 94 and the first paragraph on page 95. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Barbara E., The Twelve Traditions, Lauren N. Our text readers are Allison L. and Julie R. Our newcomer greeter today is Kathy M. And the host for the second hour is Dion R. And the reference number, the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, September 7th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10,400-10400. And the share ID for yesterday, September 7th, the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting is 10,402-10402. Over OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Barbara E. if she will read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Good morning. This is Barbara E. Thank you so much for your calm, cool, collected service today. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves would restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for allowing me to do service for this wonderful group. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. I will now ask Lauren N. to read the 12 Traditions of OA for us, please. Good morning, visionaries. This is Lauren N., uh, compulsive overeater, sugar addict from New York. Uh, Thank you for your service, Monica. 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leader is but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, our only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much for allowing me to discuss an iPad. Thank you, Lauren Ann how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. 
There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter working for others. We are on page 94, the second paragraph. That begins, your candidate may give reasons. Two paragraphs will be read, ending with, you will do anything to help. And comments will be taken on both paragraphs this morning. And with that, I'm going to ask Allison L. if she would read them for us, please. Yes, I will. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Ohio. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. I'm going to start my timer. Again, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Ohio. So often when I, I meet newcomers, um, uh, either in my local meeting or um, even sometimes from this line, um, they're very excited and they want what uh, they they hear they want the solution and I get excited um, and I've learned uh, yeah not to let them get started right away but instead I just give them something to to listen to or something to do so that they can have some time to think it over and learn a little more and so I like the special edition what is a real compulsive overeater so I'll you know have them listen to that and they'll be super excited you know something to do and I say as soon as you've listened to that you know, call me or text me, you know, I want to know what your thoughts are after that. And so often I'm excited thinking I'm going to hear from this person tonight because they were really excited or I'm going to hear from them tomorrow. Like they're going to get through this and they're going to call me. And most of the time I just never hear from them again. So whether they listen to it and um, they're just not willing um, or then maybe they believe in the excitement vanishes, I, I don't know. But um, you know, I've given them something to think about, and they know where to find me when uh, when they've had enough, when they've suffered enough, and they're ready to do something, they know where to find me. Um, with friends and family that have never been in the rooms, um, at first I was very excited because here I had found a solution, and surely they were all going to want it because I, I thought they had the same thing I did. And that has been met with uh, not so much. I never um, suggested to any of them that I needed it, that they needed it. 
I thought that I could just simply tell them what I had found for myself and that they would immediately say, oh, yes, me too. I need that. Give it to me. Give it to me. And that was not the case. Um, most of the time I was met with, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you found that, but that's not for me. You know, my problem is I, I just don't eat enough and my body holds on to my fat. That's my problem or other, other things along those lines. And so I don't, I don't push. Um, I, I listened to the warning here in this book that um, if I were to push, it would do nobody any good. So I just simply um, ask God, how can I be useful? And um, I know that the three things I can do for um, anyone I come in contact with would be to recover, 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 and just um, live my life in that way. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Allison L. And we are discussing, we are sharing comments on the last paragraph on page 94 and the first paragraph on page 95. And who would like to comment this morning? Charles H. Charles. Anybody else? This is Larry. Larry. Chrissy G. Chrissy. Harlan G. Harlan. Melissa C. Melissa. Jody EQ. Jody. Lauren N. Lauren. Oh, you're all being so very nice to me this morning. Okay, this is what I've got. Charles H., Larry K., Chrissy G., Harlan G., Melissa C., Jody E.Q., and Lauren N. So, Charles, take it away. Monica, you got the – that remind me of that, that, that movie, Juice. You got the juice when you, when, when you killed the Tupac character. So much respect for you, a world of respect. That's why uh, we came in line this morning. Thank you so much for your service. Charles H., a recovery compulsive over here. Um, you know, I could identify Allison L. Thank you so much for that. Like, that's a great suggestion. It's, you know, and, and it's humble too. Like, you know, hey, listen to some, here's a suggestion. Listen to some special editions on, you know, what's a compulsive overeater? Who's, you know, all that good stuff, doctor opinion and all that, right? Because it is, when my hand is, or when this disease is, uh, twisting my arm back, I could, it's easy for me to say, uncle, all day I'm willing to whatever, and then I don't, I don't get started on nothing. Or if my hand is yeah. is on that hot stove, uh, yeah, I'll do. But as soon as that, that, that thing cools down, then, you know, I get it, right? So I'm reading the doctor opinion with a few people, um, you know, in the past couple of days, and we, we got to the part where it says, it did not satisfy us to be told we could not control our drinking, right? And I get that. That's a big block because nobody wants to turn over uh, control to something else that they can't see or can't believe or don't know what's going to happen, right? So, um, you know, so many times in Overeaters Anonymous, we hear people say, like, name, name 10 foods, right, that, that you're allergic to, sugar. But let me, I, I, I'm coming on the line and telling you that if you don't have any sugar in your in your food plan, you're going to die. I'm coming on the line saying that this morning. It's been my experience, right? Because um, it's a great question. It's a great question to ask the nutritionist, hey, should I cut out all sugar from my food plan? Because let me tell you, fruits, vegetables, dairy products, 
dye replacement, eggs, alcohol, nuts, and all that stuff have sugar in it, which would leave me a little, little other than meat and fat, and that's definitely not healthy. So I, I challenge um, everyone to tell a protege that, you know what, ask the nutritionist. Is it, is it healthy to cut out all – because you know what? I find that people are, are, want to sound cool and clickish, you know, and, 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 and great. Hey, no sugar, no – all right, have you gone through a nutritionist? Because we're not doctors here, and I hope we're not giving people our own food plan because you're playing God if you do that. God don't even do that. So I'm coming on the line saying, you know what? Find out what are your alert. Find out 20 foods that you're allergic to and five food behaviors. And be honest with yourself and leave it at that. Because we don't know if we plant a seed or water in the garden. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Larry K., it's your turn, and then it'll be Chrissy G. <laughs> Thanks, Monica, for your service. Uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, we read about in these paragraphs, um, when, I, when, when someone comes to me, um, you know, we do, we do hear, you know, we want to move through this, this practical program of action rapidly. We, you know, time is of the essence. You know, we hear things about, which I like the analogy, or like the, the saying, we want to go through it like our hair's on fire. It gives us some good imagery. So I don't think it's a contradiction that when someone first comes to me, I may slow them down a little bit, just because I need to get to know them a little bit. I, I need to know, uh, they need to get to know me a little bit. I also want to be able to describe and, and spend some time in the hopelessness of this disease, what it was like for me. Um, now, now, once that person has diagnosed themselves, and I, I help them with that because the big book uh, gives us, you know, our textbook gives us some great instructions on that. You know, if they, if they do have the twofold nature of this disease, the allergy of the body, we learn about the mental twist, and they've diagnosed themselves as such, as I did, well, then we're going we're gonna to move through this very rapidly. But I don't want to rush somebody because I don't, I, I've done that before. And that's more about, for me personally, it's more about ego. It's more about uh, me wanting to, to push people through quickly. And, and I have found that that doesn't work. And the big book gives us great instructions on that. When I've tried to do that in the past, and it's been a long time, but when I have tried to do that in the past, it never works. Um, we end up spinning our wheels. They have to be absolutely convinced. They have to be ready. They have to be ready to be honest, open, and willing to do this deal. And when they are, you know what? It doesn't matter who takes them through as long as you're following the instructions because we don't effectuate this, this personal psychic transformation, this spiritual awakening. We don't effectuate that. That's between them and their higher power. We're just a guide. We're holding the lantern. So I, I need to remind myself of that because sometimes I can get uh, too big for my britches here, boy. Chicago, and I got to, the one, the last thing wrapping up I'll tell you is um, I always remind myself and I tell others that I spent a lot more time in this disease, practicing this disease, than practicing these steps. So I'm no expert. It's in the text. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Chrissy G., it's your turn, and then it'll be Harlan G. 
Hi, it's Chrissy G, recovered compulsive reader and anorexic from New Jersey. Um, what moral high top could I speak from? You know, I'm a compulsive overeater. I spent half my life battling um, cupcakes, like being powerless over passing by a bakery or a frozen yogurt place. So it's like, what moral high ground can I speak to when someone comes to me with the same problem? And the fact of the matter is, I've done that before. I've I've been you know, on the other side of addiction and said to people, you're just not willing, you know, you don't want it bad enough, you just have to put it down, you have to make a decision. And and I get that and I still I still believe that to a certain degree. But if I'm not bringing the higher power idea into this and this being a spiritual solution, then then I'm acting as if you know, I just woke up one day and had a really good idea just to put the food down, and now, you know, it's changed my life. And that's not the case. I woke up one day and decided that I couldn't put the food down and decided that I was going to try this program and do what it said. And and it's true what it says in the book about when we, and and I'm paraphrasing, when we show just the slightest bit of willingness, God brings us the whole way. Like, it doesn't it's just, it, I find with everything that I do, you know, if I say to myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to study something that I don't want to do, um, and I, I just say to myself, now that I'm recovered and I try, you know, to really have a balanced life each day, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to get this stuff done that I don't want to do, I say I'm only going to do it for for a little while, and it it makes it, it. I feel like God gives me the energy to take me the rest of the way. I just, it's the same thing with putting down the food. You just have to be willing to commit that food plan. Com- be honest with yourself about what foods you can't eat. You know the fact no one is going to make you stop. So you know the food police aren't gonna. There's a Flintstone. There's a Flintstones episode which everybody's got to Google. Um, with uh, like OA police coming in and taking like the Brontosaurus burger out of Fred's mouth. It's hysterical. That's not going to happen. You're, so you can be honest with yourself and other people about your food plan and your red light foods and everything. You, you don't have to lie to yourself and other people because it's ultimately going to be your choice to take that first step of willingness. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Harlan G., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Thank you, Monica, and thank you very much for your service this morning. And, Monica, I also want to thank thank Team Friday for their tremendous service making this magnificent meeting possible. These two paragraphs are based on a conversation that Bill Wilson had in 1934, 1934, excuse me, early 35 with Dr. Silkworth. Bill gets sober in December of 34. He's attending Oxford group meetings for a while during the latter part of November and December, but he's still drinking. He gets sober in December, and for the first three, four months of 1935, he's pulling drunks off bar stools, dragging them to Oxford group meetings, dragging them to his house, dragging them to these, to these meetings, and they don't want to go. And right before he goes to Akron, Ohio, on a business deal, he pays a visit to Dr. Silkworth. And Silkworth tells him, 
I've seen some of the shenanigans that you're pulling out there, and I hear you when you're talking to the people here at the hospital. He said to him, Bill, you've got to tell these people what I told you about the disease of alcoholism, and we talked about that yesterday, the physical allergy and the twist of the mind. But you've got to stop talking to these people from a moral or spiritual hilltop. There is only one thing that is going to make people ready to do business in this program. Massive amounts of the most gut-wrenching, searing pain that a human being can stand. When the fear of more eating outweighs the fear of letting the food go is when recovery can take place. Not until then. Not a second before, not a millisecond before, there is a timing to this. I've been in these rooms since 1979. I have yet to see the person walk in, sit down, and recover, who's never been here before. They usually go in and out and in and out and in and out. And when we are convinced as compulsive overeaters that we have tried every wrong answer imaginable under the sun, we will then submit to the simple program and the kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. But not until then. You have to wake up in the morning and there isn't a garment in your house that fits. You have to wake up in the morning with food shooting in and out of every orifice of your body because of what you've eaten the night, not food, but you know what, shooting every out, of, out of every orifice in your body because of what you've eaten the night before. You've got to be in a situation where you cannot stand it anymore and you scream into the night, I will do what you tell me to do, God. I can't take it anymore. And until that point is reached for most of us, nothing's going to happen. If you want what we have and you are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. We remain at the ready to help you. We are here and we are here to help. And that is the only way that we can keep it ourselves. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Jody EQ. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, you know, I, the, the whether we do this fast, whether we do it slow, it seems like there's there's contradiction, and um, you know, and and I guess different people have the ability um, to move at different rates and different speeds, and. Um, you know, the one thing that I found, though, is that I cannot skip step one. Like, step one to me <laughs> has taken the longest time in my own recovery. Step one was lengthy. And when I work with other people, I um, it seems like that's the step that we work on the longest. And sometimes that work includes me, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes that work happens um when they go out all on their own and they and they need to suffer some more on their own and what I can do when um when I'm carrying the message with someone, right, I don't preach, I don't tell them, you know, look at me, I'm so great. 
um, I share my experience and I share my powerlessness and everything I've tried. And when people say, um, okay, I don't want to do this, like they want to pick and choose. They're, you know, I'm like they, that first um, paragraph said, that some were willing to do certain, you know, not willing to do other things. And, um, you know, half measures. It's half measures available. It's nothing. And so I don't tell them, well, that won't work for you. I say, that didn't work for me. Like when I did only what I wanted, um, you know, I, I'm an addict. I'm, I'm a food addict. So what I want is the, the path of least resistance. I mean, when push comes to shove, I don't really want to do much of anything. I just want the results. And so, you know, I say, like, if, if, if all you want to do is commit your food to me, and that sometimes is what happens initially. People want to just make food the enemy. They're going to give me their food plan, but not. they don't really want to do any step work. Um, you know, you can go to Weight Watchers for that. And um, if you're here on the line, chances are you've gone to Weight Watchers and other diet programs, and it didn't work for you. And so if it didn't work for you, um, you know, you've got to be willing to try something new. That was my experience. That's what I have to offer. And, um, you know, and, yeah, when the pain gets enough that you stop picking and choosing what you're willing to do, um, willingness is born of desperation and hope, you know. And so when you're desperate enough and you see hope in a person who's recovered, um, then you're willing to do the action. Thank you. That I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Jody EQ, you're up, and then it'll be Lauren N. Thank you, Monica. This is Jody EQ. I hope I don't sound too funny. I'm uh, standing in a stairwell to be in a quiet space in a hostel in Washington, D.C. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater, and anorexic and bulimic. So um, when I first came to OA, my very first meeting, I was at a normal weight. My eating had uh, definitely been compulsive, and I, uh, but I was not at my lowest point yet. I got much worse with some years in OA. So yes, it does take what it takes, um, and no one can... Uh, force me into this process. I have to go through what I have to go through. I like what it says here about never talking down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. So I am not an expert. I'm probably different from uh, many people that I uh, work with. But it doesn't matter so much. What matters is that we use the same 12 steps to recover. Our stories are not exactly the same. But the same 12 steps and the same abstinence is going to make me recover if I work them. So if I can simply guide somebody who wants this program and who's willing to work it and do it, guide, take their hand and take them through the book as the book is laid out, they can recover if they are willing to do the work and if they are desperate enough. So that's my experience and um, 
it's such a blessing. I feel that it's the most important work that I do. I feel an, an, it's an honor. And I just uh, bow down to my higher power that uh, gives me the ability to do this very important work. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. Lauren N., it's your turn. Thank you, Monica T., for leading this meeting. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Working with others is so incredible. I get to get to see my imperfections and realize that I'm not alone. I get to realize that this is a program that works on fellowship and learning about myself when I'm giving to others. I've worked with many people over the years and um, a lot have walked away and I haven't heard back from them. Some have made it to step one and some have made it to step two, and some have made it all the way through. I'm on step nine with one right now, and it's wonderful being able to see myself in them and see and understand that I'm not alone and that this is a program of a fellowship that works I think of all the people in the rooms that I've met and I've learned to care about that I don't see or hear anymore, and I'm saddened, but I realize that I was one of them too. I came into these rooms when I was 24, and I'm now 58, and I only became an active person in these rooms three years ago. And oh my God, when I was 24, I walked in and I walked out and they probably thought, boy, she needs it, but she needs to do more research. And guess what? I did. I did lots and lots of research, got much heavier, got sick, sicker, and sickest. And how incredible my life is today because of this program. And I can't believe I'm going to meet some of you next week. And I'm so looking forward to it. Thank you all. And I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And for those who may have come on just a little bit, we are on page 94, the last paragraph on 94, and the first paragraph on 95. And who else would like to comment this morning? Lisa B. And <laughs> oh boy, I didn't hear anybody. Lisa B. Okay, I got Barbara E. I got Matt. Mar- Janice M. Janice B. Did you get Lisa B? I did. You were the first one I got. Okay, this is what I've got. And then Lisa B., Barbara E., Matt M., Mara, Janice, Kim G. 
One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, let's just do that for now, and then we'll see how our time is going. Going. So, Lisa B., you're up, and then Barbara E. Thank you so much for your service. I'm, that's a tough job. Thank you for your for your service. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm so grateful for this message of depth and weight that we have in this book. I'm so grateful for this close, intensive study. And I'm so grateful for a strong meeting that focuses on what the message is, what the solution. I found for many years it is possible uh, to live in limbo in the hall, what I call the hallway of the middle of the road solution. And although this, this disease, this illness that I have is chronic, it's progressive, it's fatal, uh, the fatality can come uh, very, very long time down the road and there's a lot of other things that die before the actual physical death the death of my spirit my soul my emotions uh just deadness no no joy and um this illness uh can toy with me like a cat with a mouse you know pounce on me beat me up then retreat retreat a little bit and i start to think oh you know maybe i'm okay maybe i've been making too big of a thing with this and you know i have been craving a strong meeting in oa since my very first meeting 30 years ago, and then I never went back again, and I lingered in the AA rooms, which I'm so grateful for, um, but, you know, it never really helped me with my compulsive overeating, and that is my true drug of, of no choice. So I, this is a very powerful reading that we've just shared on. Um, it says, simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. So that's, that's what I need to do. And I found for me the only way I was willing to listen to what these uh, kit, you know, spiritual tools were, and of course I've been around the rooms and I've seen the 12 steps written on the wall, but it wasn't until I met someone in whom the problem had been solved that that same malady as me, a compulsive overeater. And when I heard her share what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, and the what happened part, that middle part of her share, I really paid attention to. And I realized I had never done the 12 steps all the while being entirely abstinent. And I didn't have someone that I could see and hear the promises in her, the ninth step, the 10 step promises, that she was totally neutral with the food. And then she explained to me that that's what it is to be recovered. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other things that go along with being recovered. But I just need to offer them friendship and fellowship and tell them that if they want to get well, I will do anything to help. But that desperation and that dying, that awareness that it's, it's not going to get any better. I need to be out of ideas. I'm not going to want to do this work. It's hard, hard work. It really is. But it pays off, and there's a lot of joyful moments. But I've never worked and lived in the steps to the degree that I do today, but I found that I need to every single day, just like my hair is on fire, like the only other option is death, and that is the other option, but it doesn't always come quickly, and that's the part that I need to remember. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Barbara E., you're up, and then it'll be Matt M. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Barbara E., calm, cool, collected moral with a little giggle. I heard it. Wonderful. Wow, I have to say, if I had heard about a drastic house cleaning effort, that would have scared me off 21 years ago. I wanted the cliff notes. I wanted a diet. I simply wanted another diet. I'd gone to Weight Watchers. I'd lost at Weight Watchers. I'd gained at Weight Watchers. Just last week, 
I found my lifetime maintenance Weight Watcher book. I call it my book of shame. I'd kept it from 1982. When I came back after getting to goal, I weighed 206 pounds. It only went up from there. I came into OA. I was desperate, hopeless. I was losing weight again on the um, cabbage diet, the soup diet, if you remember that. But I knew I'd gain it back because I had historical precedence for it. I didn't want to hear about a drastic house cleaning. That would have scared me off. I wanted a diet. I would have rebelled. But when I came into OA, what I did hear about was that all the people around me were compulsive overeaters, hiding food, stealing food, thinking about food 24-7, gaining huge amounts of weight, losing huge amounts of weight. I found a group. I was finally home. And then I heard about the principles. I heard about this drastic house cleaning. And little by slowly, I knew I absolutely had to embrace this. The allergy, absolutely. The twist of the mind. When I was feeling the blahs, bored, lonely, angry, hungry, sad, alive, awake, would I run to the refrigerator for a stalk of celery to calm me down? No, it would be something salty, something sweet, not a stalk of celery. I knew I had this allergy to certain foods. I knew I had the mental twist. I didn't want to be talked down to. I didn't want to hear someone preaching to me. I wanted a sponsor. I wanted the fellowship. I wanted the big book. I wanted the recovery. I wanted the mental ease that allowed me to give up some of my, all of my, God willing, bad character defects. And I do it so imperfectly that in all humility, I went back to the AA 12 and 12 and read step seven over again yesterday because I need to remember to be humble, always humble. I am just a compulsive overeater. As someone said, I'm a bozo on the bus. No better, no worse. The person who got up earliest this morning has the longest abstinence. Thank you. I pass. Have a lovely weekend. Can't wait till Friday the 15th. Thank you, Barbara E. Matt M., you're up, and then it'll be Mara Z. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Thank you, Team Friday. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, yeah, I remember when I first came in the rooms that uh, it was very frightening. I wish there was a meeting like a vision for you back then, back in 2007, because I didn't know where I was going. I went to my first meeting at the Pride Center, the Gay Pride Center in the basement. There was only a few people there, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And they were nice enough, but I finally had to go to a home meeting, my home meeting, which was in Edison a much bigger meeting where they had a beginner's meeting in the beginning, which gave me all the information I needed to know that it was the 12th program of recovery and that it was the meeting that I needed to go to because I needed to know how the program worked. But uh, even when I was in for a while and people came up to me and asked me to sponsor them when I was absent, it was difficult for me because, like, I wanted to fix them. I wanted them to be the, I wanted them to get recovery, but then they would run for the hills because I would come on just like a barreling freight train coming down the track. 
instead of just being more gentle with them and letting them figure things out for themselves and giving them information just to let them, like, stew in the information to figure out if they're one of us. But I always came on so strong, and they would start working with me, and then they would disappear, never hearing from them again. And I realized it's because, that you're coming on so strong, like, you know, and um, like a jilted lover. You know, you got to understand that people are not there uh, to please you. They're there for themselves. And, you know, of course you want them to get recovered, but they may not think they are one of you. So I tell people now to go to try six different meetings and to read the literature. And I'm going to use that suggestion from now on to listen to the, the special edition of what is a real compulsory eater because that might that, that, that in itself will probably help more people than me just saying, talking about the program and telling them it works for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Mara Z, you're up, and then it'll be Janice M. Good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. And Team Friday, thank you as well. Mara Z recovered in Virginia. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. <clears throat> I actually was the opposite. I actually wanted to be free of all of the garbage in my head, um, all of the poison that had surrounded my life. Um, And so I was actually grateful um, when it came time to do my fourth step. I know that probably is counterintuitive, but it was, it was a great, a great relief for me to do that first fourth step. And it has been on subsequent fourth steps. Um, So I was, um, I was always willing to do it. Um, However, your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. So with me, the majority of my life in OA was spent in um, a very structured form of OA. And uh, the focus was entirely no, not right. The focus was primarily on the tools. And one of the things that it left me with was I have to do all of them. And if I'm not doing all of them, then I'm failing. But it translates quite easily to the steps. I've had sponsees that have said, um, yeah, no, I don't have to worry about one, two, and three. I'm good with the church. And it took some time for them to see that it's not just the church because this is not a religion. It was my being open and sharing with them that, you know, I don't know anything about the books of religion, but I know in my heart that I've got a higher power. And so for for them to get to a point where they were just going to have an open mind, I had to leave them with their own thoughts and their prayers and basically say, okay, I understand this. This is what has worked for me. This is what's in the big book. Um, And perhaps you're not ready. Perhaps you're not a a true compulsive overeater. Um, And I've had to, you know, just give them that option to back away. And several of them have. And several of them have come back saying, you're right. My religion is not going to do it for me. I've been going to the church for 30 years and I'm still eating. So it is a matter of giving space and letting them come to the conclusion. It just is, it's a, you know, an affirmation that I cannot judge someone to be a compulsive overeater. 
we have to judge that for ourselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mara Z. Janice M., it's your turn, and then it'll be Kim G. Yes. <clears throat> Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning. This is Janice, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take it from the sponsor's angle. And it took me a long, long time to change my thinking, even after I got the gift of recovery from a higher power. I have to remember as a sponsor that I am not the one that does and gives success as far as being recovered. I can try and I can try and I can try, but I have to learn to let them go if they're not interested. This is not a recruit station. I don't have to twist anybody else's arms. And when I see myself as a sponsor doing that, I repeat and I remember what Dr. Bob says. He would say, they haven't jellied yet. You know, jello, it has to set. It has to be ready. It has to be ready. And if they're not, there's nothing I can do. My only job, and I do have a job because I've been given this gift, is when God, when my God, when my higher power is ready to use me, you know, when he's ready to use me, he removed the obsession for me. That's the only reason why I'm here today, is to help another compulsive overeater. You know, I used to say, well, gee, I don't know why I'm a compulsive overeater. Geez, I'd rather be anything than a compulsive overeater. But today I know that's why I am a compulsive overeater, because God has given me a job to do. So when I'm trying and trying and trying to carry this message and getting them recovered, it's hopeless. It's, I mean, not that it's hopeless, but I can't do this. This is God's job. I have to let go and let him do this. And I have to remember this. This is hard to remember because I'm a human being. I'm, I'm a self-motivated manipulator or a manager or, or fixer, and I want you to get it, and I can't. And I have to know this. This is why I don't talk down. I try not to talk down to other people because it's not, I didn't give this success. It's God's success. So what do I have to talk, talk about? My Talk from the hilltop. Yeah, I'm excited, but I didn't give this. You know, my job is to just lay out, you know, give the, you know, the instructions like we've heard in the past, lay out these spiritual tools, offer him friendship and fellowship. But, you know, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to just make a friend out of this because that's not my job description. (laughs) My job description is to carry this message. Why? Because I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of doing these steps. And so I try, try, try to carry the message, not the mess. Because, you know, and I get into it and I have to go, uh-oh, I guess it's time, Janice, to let go because you're not God. And I really have to, you know, I'm so grateful that, um, that I know this today because this is my job. And when you and when I can fit into God's plan, then I'm really, then I, that's when I become um, very happy and carry the message of recovery to another compulsive overeater. And thank you so much. Bye now. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. Kim G., you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. 
Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. You know, I, I often hear on the line, and I agree, that we must put down the foods first and go through the steps quickly because we're in a race against our minds. But I have to tell you, too, my own experience as an OA member who for 17 years would find temporary respite followed by relapse, temporary respite followed by relapse, and as a recovered member for the last six and a half years carrying this message, I just want to caution you about some stuff. Because I know for me, I thought, I've been in a way for so long. I've done steps one, two, and three. I just want to go to step four. I just need to do a step four. And I get a lot of phone calls about that. Well, yeah, 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 I've done step one, two, and three. I just need to start doing my inventory. Those step, first three steps are so critical. And the biggest one is I thought food and weight was my problem. That when people in the room said, are there any other compulsive overeaters here, and I would raise my hand, I was raising my hand to the idea that I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore, or I'm no longer fat and I'm terrified of getting fat again. So although these are just a conclusion of step one, a conclusion of step two, and a decision of step three, until I fully concede that and internalize that, I can't take the actions of four through nine. Because the danger is if I just try to skip into step four, at least my experience is I used four through nine to figure it out, to control. To, I didn't have the urgency to follow the instructions. So I just want to point out, you know, we talk about this first 164 pages. Really the spiritual awakening happens in the chapter that we're doing right now teaches us how to carry the message. So up to page 103, including the doctor's opinion, is 111 pages of instructions on how to recover. And the first four chapters, which is the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, there is a solution, more about alcoholism, are all step one. That's 52 pages. So basically, half the recovery process is step one, and yet so many of us haven't internalized that. I know that was for me. I did not understand what I suffered from. And because I didn't understand what I suffered from, I wasn't doing the steps with the urgency. I was doing it sort of, kind of, with my own twist. But when I went through those first four chapters and understood what I suffered from, when I understood step two was not a belief in God, but a need for a power greater than myself. When I understood that step three wasn't giving God a laundry list of things I wanted him to do and, quote, unquote, taking my will back when I didn't get my way, and it was simply a decision to go on with the rest of the work, then I had the urgency to do four through nine. So I think it's just essential that we understand, do not rush anybody. They need to internalize the first three steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We have come to the end of our time. And our share ID for today, Friday, September 8th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 10,404-10404. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Julie R., would you read for us, please, from 164? Hi, this is Julia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pat.